our guest speaker, Mr. Pete Wilmot. Come on, everyone. figured it out this morning so there you go so happy new year so we are coming off here at live spring off of an incredible time the time of christmas um an incredible message series called the miracle of christmas which was which was amazing um and it was a six series message uh and every message that pastor dan did was a different message but it all pointed us back to the same thing the miracle of christmas which is the birth of our lord and savior jesus christ so, I don't know how well you remember them, but do you remember the titles of these series? The first one was what? The Miracle of? The Moment. Wow, that's great. The second one was what? The Miracle of? The Message. Wow. See, I can't remember from Sunday to Monday, so I'm really impressed. The third one was? The Method. That's right. The fourth one? Make it up. The fifth one? The Minor. And the last one? You should, you should be really impressed. Cause, yeah, because you know, they ask me on Monday and I say, Jesus. And I mean, I'm always right, but that's pretty much what I, I can't even remember what it was about. So. so they all pointed back to the miracle of Christmas, the miracle of Christmas. And it's the season, it's that time, it's everything around it is all about the miracle of Christmas. It's, it's, it's in the decorations, the trees, uh, it's in the, the smiles on our faces, it's in the gathering together. It's in the movies that we watch. It's in the songs that we sing. Silent Night, right? There's a great song. Silent Night, Holy Night. All is calm, all is bright. It's a song about peace, isn't it? About rest, about comfort, about security. It's a great song. How about uh, my favorite is I'll Be Home for Christmas. I love that song. I'll be home for Christmas. You can count on me. And it ends with, I'll be home for Christmas if only in my dreams. So even if I can't be there, I want you to know I'm there. My heart's there. It's a, it's a song about family and friendship and love and togetherness, right? And promises, promises made and promises kept. I love that. And how about the 12 days of Christmas? Now, I used to like that song a lot more before I started CrossFit, but there's actually a, a CrossFit workout called the 12 days of Christmas, which is horrendous. So now when I hear it, I always look on to see what it is. But, but it's still a great song, right? The 12 Days of Christmas, it's about gifts and about giving and about all the things that my true love gave to me. And it all points back to the miracle of Christmas, which I love. Now, right after Pastor Dan asked me if I would speak on this day, and right after I heard the title of his message series, The Miracle of Christmas, I came up with the title, for today's message, which is the reality of life. Because I think those two kind of sit side by side, don't they? Yeah, the miracle of Christmas is awesome. I get to buy gifts for everybody, but the reality of life is I get a bill in January. <laughs> right? They kind of offset each other, don't they? Yeah. So it's kind of give and take, it's kind of give and take. It's hard because there's that, that miracle of Christmas, but that reality of life. And for some of us, those nights aren't so silent, are they? They're not so peaceful. So silent night is great, but it's not the reality for a lot of us. 
and I'll be home for Christmas. Well, people don't always come home for Christmas, do they? We get rejected and we get abandoned. And those promises are broken. They're not kept. And the 12 days of Christmas, do you realize if you were to buy your true love the 12 days of Christmas, do you know how much it would cost you? $34,363.49. Yeah, it's true. It's true. That's how much it would cost you. $34,360.49. The cost of turtle doves alone. From 2015 to 2016, rose an incredible 29.2%. Yes, turtle doves. The price of turtle doves is going up even as I speak. Yes. And you might want to write this down because this is one of my great points and I don't have very many of them. But here we go. While the 10 lords a-leaping is nice, those 10 lords don't come a-leaping for free. They just don't. It's just the reality of life, right? Life's hard, right? This is the reality. So if you want to buy your, your true love this, start saving now. Because Christmas is right around the corner. Yeah, it's hard, life is hard, right? And I don't know about you, but life sometimes makes me tired. If, you were, if I were to describe some of the hard times I go through, I would tell you I'm tired. I'm just tired. If I'm not tired, I'm busy. Don't even ask me anymore, because that's my answer for you. How are you, Pete? Tired and busy. That's probably my answer for you. Life's that's hard, right? I mean, for you, the, your, your job might make you tired. Or if it's not your job, looking for a job might make you tired. Right? It's hard. Or, or if it's not your relationship that you're struggling with, it's looking for a relationship that you're struggling with. And if it's not that, it's finances, or it's health, or who knows what else. And the worst part about all of this reality of life is we feel surrounded, don't we? It's like there's no way out. I mean, I think I'd be okay if there was a way out. If you could show me the way, like I think I could hold on long enough to get out but sometimes it doesn't look like there's a way out. We're just surrounded. And so what do we do? What do we do? Well, I have two answers for you. The first answer is if you're not a Christian. So if you're not a Christian, what do you do? I have no idea what you do. I don't know. I guess you do it all, you go to bed, you wake up and you do it all again. I guess. I guess you suck it up and go at it again. I don't know what you do. But if you are a Christian, I found something for us. And I found it in a passage in the Bible. And I wanted to share it with you today. So let me share you this passage. And then we'll pray. And then we'll talk about it a little bit. So here's the passage I found. It's from 2 Kings. And it goes like this. 2 Kings chapter 6. Now when the attendant of the man of God had risen early and gone out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was circling the city. And his servants said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? So he answered, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes, and he saw and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Will you join me in prayer? Father God, we thank you for your word, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that uh, 
that it comes to us, Father God, and we are intrigued by it, Father God, that we are drawn to it, Lord, that you would, that you would speak to us through your word, Father God, that you would open up our eyes so that we can see what you have to say to each and every one of us. So we thank you in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So what's happening in this verse? Let me give you the big picture. The king of, of Syria, or the Armenian army, they're both the same, are at war against Israel. So the king of Syria is trying to set a trap for the king of Israel. So the king of Syria plots this beautifully laid out military plan, and he tries to draw the army of Israel into that trap. But when he does that, the Israeli army never shows up. So the king of Syria goes back to the drawing board, and he maps out another way to trap the king of Israel. And again, after he's got everything in place, the king of Israel and the army never show up. So the king of Syria gets very frustrated, and he calls in all of his commanders, and he essentially says, okay, which one of you is a traitor? Because one of you has to be a traitor, because every time we set out a plan to capture the king of Israel and destroy his army, he finds out about it, and he doesn't show up. And the commanders all say, no, 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 wait a second, it's not us. It's that prophet of the God of Israel, that guy named Elisha. Every time we set up something to trap the king of Israel, Elisha hears from God, and Elisha goes to the king of Israel and lets him know, and the king of Israel never shows up, and we never get to ambush them. So the king of Syria says, well, there's only one thing I can do then. I'm going to have to find Elisha, capture him, and kill him. So he sends the entire Syrian army after Elisha, and he finds out where he is. And at night, the Syrian army goes to the city and encircles the city. An entire army after one man. Now in the morning, the attendant of, of Elisha wakes up, goes up on a rooftop, looks and says, holy smokes, we're in trouble because we are surrounded by an army. And he runs to get Elisha and he says, what do we do? Wake up, wake up. You got to come see this. And Elisha goes up to the roof and he looks. And this is my favorite part of the passage because this part reminds me of the old TV show, The A-Team. Remember The A-Team? Yeah. And then what happened in the A-Team? Well, Hannibal and Mr. T and Face and all those other guys, right? At the end of the show, they always got themselves trapped, right? They were always surrounded, right? Remember that? And Hannibal always smiled. And he always said what? I love it when a plan comes together. See, I think this is the attitude and the posture of Elisha. I think he looks and he says, and this is in the P translation, if you're looking for the actual verbiage. He looks and he says, I love it when a plan comes together. And he looks to his attendant and he says, fear not, don't worry about it. Because the people that are with us are more than the people that are with them. Isn't that a great story? So this prophet of God, Elisha, says to his servant, or God says to you today, take another look. So as you look at your situation, take another look. Because those that are with you are more than those that are with them. And when you look, you will see 
mountains filled with horses and chariots of fire that are on your side. So the servant's eyes were opened, and he saw. Now are your eyes open, and do you see? So there's three points I want to share with you today, and I'm going to give them to you right up front. Okay, no fill in the blanks, no waiting for me, no waiting for me to forget to give them to you. Here they all are. Number one is this, there is a spiritual realm. It exists. Two, you are a spirit being. And three, a spiritual war is raging. Now I realize in giving you those three points that there are some of you that don't want to accept it. I hope not, but I think there are sometimes some people who don't want to accept those points. You like the baby Jesus in the manger, and you'd like to leave him there. And I know in your heart of hearts, you know that Jesus died for your sins, and you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, but you like the miracle of Christmas, and you like Jesus in the manger. And are you still a Christian? Yes, you are. And are you still going to heaven? Absolutely. If you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're going to heaven. And will we still let you in the front doors? Absolutely. As long as you have your membership card and you know the secret handshake, you're welcome. Absolutely. That's right. But I want more than that. I want more than that. I just don't want to go through this life surviving. I want to live a life like Jesus lived. I want to know that he stepped out of that manger, that he walked through life just like I walked through life, that he was tempted just like I get tempted, that he gets rejected by people just like I've been rejected and you've been rejected by people, but that he walked through life with grace and mercy and love and compassion and power. He was no weakling. Jesus walked a victorious life. And we can walk that very same life. That's what I want, and I hope that you want it too. I want to believe that what Jesus said is true, that he came that I would not only have life, but have an abundant, overflowing life. That's the kind of life I want to live. And to whatever extent I can, I want to live it for his glory, and not mine. That's the life that I want. Jeremiah 33.3 says this. It says, call to me and I will answer you and I will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. I want to know those things. I want God to reveal those things to me. Genesis 17.1 says this. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said, I am God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless. When he was 99 years old, when most of us would have checked out on life and just be waiting for it, right? God calls to Abram and God calls to you and me today and says, I've got something for you to do. I don't care how old you are. I don't care what your situation is. I've got work for you to do. God is calling us to a more abundant life than we're living right now. And I always think of Ray Wright at his age going back to Ghana. And if he can do that, so can we. God is calling us to something greater. I want that life. I want that impossible life by this world's standard, but possible by God's standard. I want to live that life. And finally, Romans 6 tells us that Christ 
rose from the dead, and will never die again. It says, be alive to God. We've got to walk through this world being alive to God. Oswald Chambers wrote this in The Shadow of Agony. God created man to be the master of the life in the earth and sea and sky. And the reason he is not is because he took the law into his own hands and became master of himself, but of nothing else. God created us for more than this. For more than this. God has a greater calling on your life and my life than we can possibly imagine. And I'd like to share with you a few things that I've been studying recently. And I can't go into all of it, but the rest of it I'm going to try to cover in that class we're going to be having on spiritual warfare. So I hope you can attend that. Um, and it's a learning process, and I'm loving it, and I'm studying it, and I'll try to share as much today as I possibly can. So if you come to the first service, stay a little later and come to the class. And if you come to the second, come a little earlier and stay a little later. But here are three points I'd like to share with you today. First, there is a spiritual realm, and it exists. You, there is a spiritual realm, and it exists. Elisha knew it. Elisha knew it because he could stand up on that rooftop and say, I love it when a plan comes together. Wouldn't you love to face every situation that you encounter, every financial difficulty, every bad letter in the mail, every rejection from whoever, and be able to say, I love it because God's in control. Okay, it's not about us, it's about Jesus and what he's doing in our lives. Wouldn't you love to be able to have that? We can have that if we realize that there's a spiritual realm out there, that this is not it right here. John 8, 23 says this, you are from below, I am from above. This is Jesus talking. You are of this world, I am not of this world. Jesus is from a spiritual realm. My favorite is Daniel 10. This is what it says. Then one day, early in April, as I was standing beside the great Tigris River, I looked up and suddenly there stood before me a person robed in linen garments with a belt of purest gold around his waist and glowing, lustrous skin. From his face came blinding flashes like lightning, and his eyes were pools of fire. His arms and feet shone like polished brass, and his voice was like the voice, like the roaring of a vast multitude of people. I, Daniel, alone saw this great vision. The men with me saw nothing, but they were suddenly filled with unreasoning terror and ran to hide, so I was left alone. When I saw this frightening vision, my strength left me, and I grew pale, weak with fright. Then he spoke to me, and I fell to the ground face downward in a deep faint. But a hand touched me and lifted me up, still trembling to my hands and knees, and I heard his voice. Oh, Daniel, greatly beloved of God, he said, stand up and listen carefully to what I have to say to you, for God has sent me to you. So I stood up, still trembling with fear. There is a spiritual realm. It's as real today as it was with Daniel. It still exists. And we can look throughout the whole Bible, and we can see many examples of this. It's not limited to this. We can look throughout the Bible. You talk to any historian, and they will tell you that the Bible is one of the most historical, most accurate historical documents you'll ever find. Amen. You can go to any secular university, and they will have a class on the Bible as history, because the Bible is historically accurate more than any other document. And it's in that Bible that we learn that Jesus... God's son came down from heaven. And it's in that Bible that we see Jesus healing people, raising people from the dead, feeding thousands upon thousands, 
speaking to people that were supposedly dead already, Moses and Elijah, none of this was in the physical realm. These are all indicators that the spiritual realm is real. The second one is this. You are a spirit being. Elijah knew it. Do you know who else knew it? Albert Einstein. How's that for a guy who knew it? Do you know what he said? I love that. I got this quote actually on Friday from a friend of mine. This is what Albert Einstein said. He said, I'm not a scientist. He said, I'm a man who practices science. He said, but my spirit is wanting. Like with all that knowledge that I have, there's still something in me that wants something more. This is Albert Einstein, someone who should be like pretty on top of himself, pretty confident in who he was. He's like, there's got to be more than this. My spirit wants more than that. First Thessalonians says this, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely, and may your spirit and your soul and your body be preserved complete, without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. In Job we read this, But there is a spirit in man, and the breath of the Almighty gives him understanding. And how about this is my favorite, Jeremiah 1.5, God tells us, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Yes. How did he know us before we were formed? Because we're spirit beings. So knowing that God knew you before you were created, and knowing that God knows the plans that he has for you, plans for good, and plans for hope, and plans for a future, and plans for peace, and plans for prosperity, knowing all that, does that not give you the ability to stand on that rooftop with confidence and know that those that are against you, those that are with you are more than those who are against you? Say this with me. I have a body. I, have a body. I, possess, a I possess a soul. I am a spirit. <laughs> yes, you are a spirit being. You walk around in this decaying body. We all do but you possess a soul, but you are a spirit. There is a spiritual realm. You are a spirit being. And if you can look at these things in this way, does this not give you a better perspective on how we need to walk through our lives? How different would your life be if every day you remembered these things and walked through your life with this in mind? And the third point I want to make to you is this. A spiritual war is raging. It's all around you. Remember the verse from Daniel we read earlier? Here's what happened to Daniel after this encounter. The person appeared to Daniel, and this is what he said. He said, don't be afraid, Daniel. Don't be afraid and fill in your own name. This is God's word. He's talking to you too. Don't be afraid. Think about your situation. Don't be afraid. Fill in your name. For your request, your request, has been heard in heaven and was answered the very first day you began to fast before the Lord and pray for understanding. That very day I was sent to meet you. 
Does that not encourage us? Whatever you're facing, know that on that very first day, your prayer was heard and it was answered. It was answered. We may not see it in the physical realm yet, but it was answered. And they are sent to meet us. Here's what it says further. But for 21 days, the mighty evil spirit who overrules the kingdom of Persia blocked my way because there's a spiritual war raging. Then Michael, one of the top officers of the heavenly army, came to help me so that I was able to break through these spirit rulers of Persia. Now I am here to tell you what will happen to your people, the Jews, at the end times. For the fulfillment of this prophecy is many years away. Your prayers are answered, but there's a spiritual war going on. And I wish I had more time because I would really get into this, but I don't. Um, but there's a spiritual war raging, and we're part of it. Whether you want to be or not, you're part of it. Because you're an enemy to the enemy. Ephesians 6.12 says this, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. We think it's a battle with our spouse. We think it's a battle with our kids. We think it's a battle with our, with our health. We think it's a battle with our finances. It's not. It's a spiritual battle. And that is not to say every single thing. If your car gets a flat tire, it's not a spiritual battle. You got a flat tire. Fix it. Okay? But there is a spiritual war raging. Okay? Because you are a threat to the enemy. You're a threat to the enemy. Because you have something that the enemy doesn't want you to have. You have God's word. You have God's word. You have the truth. And, God, and the enemy doesn't want you to have that. The spiritual war is a war between the clear word of God and anything that conflicts with it. Amen. Let me read you some definitions. Put yourself into whichever one you'd like to. And you can choose more than one. Okay? The spiritual war is between the clear word of God and the wrong thinking that you have. Is that you? The spiritual war is between the clear word of God and the unchecked emotions that you have. The spiritual war is between the clear word of God and your flesh. The, clear word, the spiritual war is between the clear word of God and your circumstances. The spiritual war is between the clear word of God and your personal needs and desires. The spiritual war is between the clear word of God and the cares of this life, the pleasures of this life, and the deceitfulness of riches. That's where the battle is. Jesus tells us that the enemy has come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Well, what's he want to destroy? He wants to destroy your faith. What's he want to kill? He wants to kill your hope and your joy and your peace and your love. That's what he wants to kill. What's he want, what has he come to steal? More importantly than anything, he has come to steal your identity in Christ. He's come to lie to you and steal that identity. Let me give you an example. Somebody in this world rejects you, and you get the message that you're worthless. And we buy into that, don't we? Well, I must be, because they rejected me. I must be worthless. But that's not what God's Word says. 
That's not how God defines you. So why do we buy how the enemy defines us? God defines us. God gives us our identity. This is what Paul says. Paul had to write to the church in Galatia. He had to write and he had to clarify for them a few things. And you know what he calls them? He calls them foolish. He goes, you foolish Galatians. How could you believe this stuff? Because they were going back to the law. They were going from Christ, who redeemed everything, back to doing good works. Well, if I go back to doing good works, then I'll be okay. And Paul's saying, no, it was done at the cross. It was completed at the cross. You're foolish Galatians. Why are you going back there? This is what he says to them. For now we are all children of God through faith in Jesus Christ. And we who have been baptized into union with Christ are enveloped by him. We are no longer Jews or Greeks or slaves or free men or even merely men or women, but we were all the same. We are Christians, just like Pastor Dan was saying earlier. We're different, but we're the same. We're Christians. We are one in Christ Jesus. And, get this part, and now that we are Christ's, we are the true descendants of Abraham and, are you ready? All of God's promises to him belong to us. Every promise in the Bible belongs to you. Why would you let the enemy come and steal that away from you? Don't be foolish like the Galatians. You hear God's truth and you hear Satan's lies and that's the battleground. That's where we fight this war. It's between those two truths. Well, one truth, one lie. See, the truth will always be in harmony with God's word. So measure every message you hear by the word of God. Amen. Measure every thought you have by the word of God. And measure everything you say or do by the word of God. And finally, measure every situation, every circumstance, every trouble, every fear, every worry, and all hopelessness by the word of God. That's what we are based on. Let me call the worship team back up and I will close with this. I started off today's message with this story of Elisha. Elisha and his servant were surrounded by the Syrian army. There was no hope, no chance, no way out. But God allowed Elisha and his servant to see the situation through spiritual eyes. And God provided them a way out, not a way of escape, but a way out with victory. Elisha prayed that God would blind the eyes of the enemy, and he did. And Elisha led them into captivity. He didn't just give them a way out. He gave them a way to walk out with victory. And he's going to give you that very same opportunity to walk out with victory. The gifts from God are these, freedom, life, hope, redemption, and transformation. If the cross was the end of the story, we would have no hope. But the cross isn't the end. Jesus didn't escape from death. He conquered it. Hallelujah. If you need prayer after service, I would love to pray with you, and I know there are other people that would love to pray with you as well. Let's not let this moment escape. Let's walk out of here with victory. I know that message started off with a little bit of down and a little bit of, of sadness, but I hope that it ended with victory in Christ. I hope this is the new year message for you.
that we can live this life and walk through this life with victory in Jesus Christ. Amen.